we encourage you next week to come back and bring somebody with you for the complete musical uh, cantata. And so I think you'll enjoy it. This morning, if you will, get your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. You know, we're in the Christmas season now. And one of the joys about Christmas is to watch the little kids, how they react and the things that they do and so forth, the anticipation and the trying to be nice for the next few days, that kind of thing, and all the things that go into Christmas and all the things that we get to watch them and so forth. And so I thought today we would look at Jesus loves the little children. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, if you will. And we will read that passage together when you find, if you would, to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. And we read these words. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time of year as we begin to look for the the beautiful day of Christmas and what it means to us as Christians especially, but Lord, also to the entire world. Lord, we just as we as our mind begins to focus on the things of Christmas, and I know there's a lot of going on and shopping to be done and all the other things that goes in between, but Lord, let us begin to look at that one day, that day that so long ago that little baby was born into this world. Little did we know at that moment of what that little baby would grow up and be and become, the Savior of the world. And Lord, we're so thankful that you saw fit to cause this to come about. But Lord, today we can celebrate Christmas in the truest sense of the word, that it's the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. As we prepare for this time of season, Lord, just let us reduce the stress and increase the prayers in everything we do. Go with us through these few minutes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to look at how much Jesus loves the little children. Sometimes kids say the funniest things. I heard of one little girl who was standing outside church one Sunday morning and waiting for her parents to come out the door. And one of the deacons asked her. So you know those deacons, so let's, we'll just leave it there. He says, what did you learn in Sunday school, little girl? She replied, says, we learned about Jonah and the whale. The deacon says, do you really believe that a man could be swallowed by a whale and live for three days? The little girl looked up at him and says, I sure do. said, it's in the Bible, and I believe it. It had to be. The deacon says, how can you be sure that story is true? Can you prove it? The little girl was sort of getting frustrated now, and she said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. I'll ask Jonah. The deacon said, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And she put her hands on her hips and says, then you can ask him. (laughs) Our children are precious to Jesus. I think they need to be precious to each one of us, too. Whether they're ours or not, as far as biologically, they're still ours. And uh, as I guess uh, Michael's already gone back, hadn't he? So I'm gonna. Didn't he do a good job this morning? By the way, now 
I haven't checked with Mama to verify this, but I believe somebody said that next week he turns five years old. Not even five years. Is that right? Wednesday will turn five years old and sing two specials. So every one of y'all got a bunch to catch up on him on. So just <clears throat> two specials, what he did. And it didn't bother him a bit. So you know, all of you that say you can't sing, he just proved you wrong. So just, But he's, he's got a good voice for a five-year-old. But anyway. Our children are precious to Jesus, and they should be precious to us. Sometimes we have a tendency of shuffling the children off because, well, they just they don't need to be in service. They don't need to do this. They need to go back there with the kids. Our children's church is set up like a church. Let me assure you this from any moms that may be here. it's uh, We want them to be taught, not just have a fun time and so forth. And so they're back there learning this morning. But Jesus loves the little children. And this story is one of the most clear examples that you'll see in the Bible. In this passage that we just read, you'll find three things. First of all, you'll find an example. Secondly, you'll find a warning. And third, you'll find a principle about children and ministering to children. And so this is a very important lesson for our church. You know, we see these little kids run around, and they're just little kids, and, you know, it just just always run around and everything else, but they're precious in God's sight. And they're very precious, should be very precious in our sight because they're part of our church. They are the church 20 years from now. They will be the ones sitting here and doing the positions that many of you do today. But let's look at this passage. Again, we'll find an example. You'll find a warning, and you'll find a principle about children and ministering to children. So that includes every one of us. First of all, the example. Jesus says we need to open our arms and welcome the children. The parents in this passage were trying to get their children to Jesus. The disciples disciples thought that Jesus was too important to waste his time on the children. That was a big mistake on their part because he started to chew them out for it. The disciples thought that since Jesus, since these children were little people, they were a little interest to Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus set these disciples straight right here in this passage we just read. Because he let them know very quickly, hey, these are important people. They may not have a lot of knowledge right now. They not, may not can, be quote, can quote many scriptures right now. But you give them time and they'll be the leaders and probably replace many of you. But in the late 1800s, a pastor in Chicago, Herbert Woolston, wrote a hymn that has been sung by millions of children across the world. You know the chorus. It's called, Jesus Loves the Little Children. But the first verse goes like this. Jesus calls the children clear. Come to me and never fear. For I love the little children of the world. I will take you by hand, lead you to a better land. For I love the little children of the world. Then the familiar chorus goes, and sing it with me. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. See, y'all can sing. I did that for a purpose. <laughs> now then... Next week, one of y'all get to sing a special, so just you'll mark it down. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus loves the little children, and he makes it in this passage, these three little verses. 
he makes it so clear of what we're to do. And he, he gets on those disciples. He chews them out pretty good if you look at it. I mean, he just he really comes down hard on them. Parents, the best thing you can do is to follow the example of the parents in this passage of Scripture. Did you notice what they were doing? What the parents were trying to do? And the disciples, Jesus' disciples, stopped them. They were trying to bring their children to Jesus. What is wrong with that? Jesus loves the little children. But that's what they were doing. Oh, yes, Jesus was sitting there, and he was teaching a lesson and, you know, talking to them and so forth. And these parents began to bring their children so that Jesus could pray for them and touch them perhaps and whatever it may be. These parents had more of a vision of who Jesus was than these disciples had at this moment. All they saw was these little kids are bothering Jesus. Let's get them out of here. Y'all take the kids on out. Move them out of here. But Jesus saw it a different way. He says, no, don't do that. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's quit that, he says. So Jesus tells the little children to come forward. The parents, the best thing you can do is to follow the example of these parents in this passage of Scripture. Bring your children to Jesus so he can bless them. That's all they were trying to do. And the disciples stopped them, tried to stop them. If you have children, you have an awesome responsibility to see that your children learn about God. I think one of the most awesome awakenings of my life is when I realized when I had a child the first time that, okay, now I've got some responsibilities. I've got some things I've got to do. I've got to take care of this little boy in my case. And it scared me to death because I'd never really thought about that before. But in fact, I think I'm still taking care of my two boys. They're both grown, come think of it. But it's, that's another question. That's another something else. But bring your children to Jesus so he can bless them. All they're asking in this, all this passage is saying is that we need to find ways to get Jesus available to our children. The very best thing you can give your child is the gift of knowing they're loved by God. That's the first step of it. God has given me the wonderful privilege of leading some people to Christ over the years. And to be honest with you, I've forgotten about most of those. I probably couldn't name you ten names of people that I had a hand in, probably even baptized myself. And just, but those have drifted away. But I will never forget that I had the privilege of baptizing both of my sons. That will never go away. I remember that like it was yesterday. Both of my sons, I was very fortunate. In fact, even my grandson, no, no, my granddaughter, where's Judy, the granddaughter, it was. My, my son became a preacher, a sorry thing, and he got to baptize my grandson, but that's, that's another story. But <laughs> Anyway, but it's, I got to baptize my, grand, my oldest granddaughter. But I'll never forget my two sons because watching them in church, I would have thought they're not listening to a word I say. Of course, that wasn't too uncommon either, but it, but it's all of a sudden one day my oldest son came and said, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. And I, whoa, he was listening to something. He was listening. And you never know how much they're listening. We think they're not. We think they're just tuned out to everything we say as parents. But a lot of times they hear what you see, what they, you say, and they also see what you do is a very important part. These parents took their children to Jesus. These parents made the effort to 
get them to Jesus. The parents had more faith at this moment than the disciples did, evidently, or maybe understood it better anyway. The very best thing you can give your child is the gift of knowing that they are loved by God. God has given me, again, the privilege of leading several people, but none of them stand out as much as my two sons. Those were the two most precious conversion experiences I've been involved with of all my life, including my own even, because I didn't have much to do with that one. But I love the way that Mark describes the scene. He writes in Mark chapter 10, verse 16, And Jesus took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. That's a good way to put that. Again, Mark chapter 10, verse 16. And Jesus took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die. That changes the whole context of it. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die, but yet he stopped to talk to some little children on the way. Doesn't that show you who Jesus really is? How he can change people's lives? How he can move into their lives? And Just imagine if you've got small children, or even children for any age for that matter, what a difference he can make when he comes into your life. If we were to have a testimonial service here this morning, we're not going to do it, but if we were to, I would safely say that everybody in here, your experience of salvation and how you came to know Christ and how you became a Christian is totally different from anybody else's. We all have something unique about our experience. There'd be some overlaps. But here these children were taken to Jesus on his way to down the cross. Do you think they understood what the cross was? Of course not. Do you think they understood, they understood what he was doing? No, they didn't. They didn't have an ideal. All they knew is that this man loves me. I can see it, the way he acts, the way he responds to me. These kids knew that Jesus was loved there. Jesus took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Again, he's on his way to die. That's why the disciples were... Don't bother him. He's got important places to be. He's got important things to do. There's so many things that we need to go take care of that are so much more important than children. But Jesus does something really unique. The Bible says he calls the children to himself. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Of here Jesus is, I mean, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And he takes time to sit down on a step perhaps. And calls the little children, come up here to me. I want to talk to you. I don't know what he said to them exactly. But I know this. They must have known when they left that this man cares about us. This man loves us. This man is different from even my own father. This man is something different. The Bible doesn't tell us any more about them after they left that day. But who knows what they became one of these days when we get to heaven, we'll find out. They may be some of the greatest teachers that ever walked the face of this earth. I don't know. I don't know who was in that crowd that day. But Jesus calls them to himself. Those rough hands that would very soon be hammered to a cross were used to express affection. 
to little toddlers perhaps. We don't know what age they were. I'm sure some of them are different ages. But regardless, they were all smaller children. These rough hands that in just a few days will be hanging on a cross. A man condemned of sins, of crimes he didn't do. But yet he took the time to care about those little kids. You know, it's it's fun cutting up with kids around here. I, I enjoy picking on and cutting up with kids and so forth. And they can be pretty vicious themselves sometimes, though. Don't don't misunderstand. They can they can come back at me, but but I, I just enjoy playing with them because they're so sincere and so real. You know, they'll you ask them a question, they're going to tell you an honest answer. That's not like a lot of adults. You know, you ask us something, we'll uh, we'll fudge a little bit and just go around it. But they tell you the truth. Ask them some days about, what did you learn in Sunday school today? Watch what they tell you. How much they've learned. How much they're trying to learn. And it takes time. It takes, I mean, look at us. We're our age, and many of us haven't learned anything yet either. So that's another story. Parents, what kind of spiritual heritage are you giving your children today? My generation of baby boomers was raised by men and women who fought and won World War II. My dad was one of the ones that served in the Navy during World War II. It was a tough time of rations and uh, sacrifice and so forth. Many of our parents said, I want my kids to have all things that I never had before. That's a good request. Now, my generation today, or as I was growing up, the attitude is we want our kids to have more than we had. I remember saying those words many times. I want my kids to have more than I had. I wasn't raised wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. We had enough to eat. We had enough to live on and so forth. But we weren't a wealthy family by any imagination. And I always dreamed of my kids having, you name it, I'll buy it for you. That didn't happen. And I'm glad it didn't, as it turns out. But we all desire something for our kids. We have Generation X, it's called nowadays. Having kids, and they want to have the best and the newest for their kids, regardless of the cost. One of the greatest American patriots, in my opinion, was Patrick Henry. Henry, Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry. Most of you recognize his famous quote, Give me liberty or give me death. That wasn't the only noble thing he said. When he was preparing for his last will and testament, when he was dying... He added this statement to be read to his children after his death. I quote, I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is the Christian faith. If they had that, and I had not given them one shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not that, and I would given them all the world, they would still be poor. Isn't that beautiful? Patrick Henry wrote that. One of our founding fathers, one of our early guys in this country. But yet you can see what people try to tell you nowadays that wasn't true, but this nation was founded upon God. And I believe our parents and our generations before us and before them and before them and all the way back hundreds of years perhaps, they had a faith in God and they believed in teaching their children. Let me read that one more time. It's just so pretty. 
I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is the Christian faith. If they had that, and I had not given them one shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not that, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor. How beautiful those words. Frankly, I love those bumper stickers you see on the uh, recreational vehicles going down highways and so forth. It says, we're spending our kids' inheritance. I like that. <laughs> One of these days, if you see me in a recreational vehicle, I'm on my road. I've got my bumper stickers. Just watch out for it. But you don't have to leave your children or even grandchildren a lot of money. They'll only fight over it anyway. I've seen some of the worst fights. In fact, let me just, this is a true story. When I was up in the bottom area, I did a, uh, a guy called me one Saturday morning and asked if I could do a graveside service that morning. I mean, it was like an hour away. And I said, well, I guess I could. And so the guy I knew, he was a, he came to our church, he was a member of our church, but the people being buried, I didn't know the family. Anyways, just somehow he got in contact with one of the friends as he called me and went out there. We were just about to begin the service, just a graveside, small little service. And I heard this ruckus going on. I looked over, and these two men are fixing to come to blows. I walked over. I mean, they were about from here. That wall. I walked over and says, man, we're fixing to start a funeral. What's, what's the problem? And you could tell they were just, I mean, they were ready to go to Fifth City and settle down a little bit and wait about two or three more minutes and start it up again. And finally, I went over there and says, guys, I'm serious. I, one of the guys that I know pretty well around here is our chief of police in Bonham. I said, y'all don't knock it out. I'm going to call him and have somebody down here in five minutes. We'll take care of that way. You know what they were fighting over? And this is God's my witness, what they said. An old used riding lawnmower. I thought, what? You're fighting over a, and this, the way they described it was not a very good used lawnmower. But that just, I mean, sometimes funerals bring out the worst in people, folks. We fight over things that have no meaning. But watch what takes place here. You don't have to leave your grandchildren or your children a lot of money. What you need to leave them is a legacy that you have of Jesus. What you need to leave is that they know who Jesus is as they grow up. Maybe you can't give them those words, but you can leave that for somebody else. I don't mind telling you and admitting to you that over the years I became a, a pastor and I was too busy. And so all that responsibility fell on Judy in our home. I'm ashamed of it now, but it is. But it just, I thought I had to be at the church almost 24 hours a day. I had to please the people. I had to please the deacons. I had to please the chairman of the finance, all these other places. That's what my interest was. And my boys probably suffered a little bit from it. Because of it. But I realized not too many years ago, wait a minute. I can still influence my grandchildren and my children. And my life's got to change to reflect that. And yes, Judy's the one that stayed up with them and prayed. She prayed with them every night. And she led them to Christ in essence. Maybe not physically speaking, but she got them prepared for it. And I look back now and I missed that opportunity. And I should have been doing that. Dads, it's your responsibility as a spiritual leader of the church, of the home. 
Instead, start giving them one thing they really need, the one thing that will be important to them all of eternity. Bring them to Jesus. Let them see Jesus in you. Too many times, dads, we're not the dads we need to be in the home. Oh, we know how to do it outside and let people see us. But inside the home, we don't do a good job many times. If we claim to be the body of Christ, we must treat children the same way Jesus treated them. Our goal is to simply have the finest children's ministry our church can possibly have. That's what we need to have as a goal. You say, well, we don't have many right now. Well, we're working on that. We need your prayers to help it. When new families with young children visit our church, they're more concerned about the children's space and children's ministry than they are about the preaching or the music 90% of the time. They want to make sure that that little toddler they've got or that little child they've got or that baby in the nursery, whatever it may be, they want to make sure that I can leave him or her comfortably going to service and know they'll be taken care of. We need to have that. I think we've got a, a good group of them, but we need to grow it more and more. We need your participation in many ways. Someone has said that the nursery is the handshake of the church. I didn't say that, but I like that. The nursery is the handshake of the church. We're doing a good, good job of reaching and teaching children who are brought by their parents each Sunday. But as I drive through this neighborhood, all around this church, I see boys and girls that every Sunday stay at home, don't go. I think part of the children's ministry, the children that we need to reach, is also reaching outside these doors to the boys and girls that live around here, and teenagers, by the way. We need to let them know that, hey, here's a place you can come and be loved. Here's a place you can come and be cared for. Here's a place where you can learn. I pray that God will place this burden on someone's heart and you'll do something about it. Well, I need to do something with that. We need more adults to volunteer and to reach and to minister kids. The second thing we see, and this is the part that also jumps out, Jesus also gave them a warning. He says, don't hinder a child who is seeking God. In Mark's account of this, the Scripture says, when Jesus learned the disciples were trying to keep the kids away, he became indignant, is the word it uses in Mark. That's a nice word for good and angry. Now, this is Jesus now. It's the same word that used when Jesus took a whip and drove out those crooked money changers in the temple that day. The same word. Jesus gets hot in a hurry when he sees people trying to keep little children away from him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to cross Jesus. I don't mind butting heads with some of y'all, but I don't want to cross him. I want to do it his way because I don't like the results the other way around. We need to be a church that treats our children like Jesus would treat them, with utmost respect, with honor, and with dignity in every way. Jesus said... He called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. That's pretty blunt. That's a strong word we should heed. Through the years, I've known adults and even parents who kept their children from coming to church or coming to Jesus even. I've known of times when we'd have Bible school 
And at Bible school, some kids came and gave their life to Christ. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, some of them don't know exactly what he, they're talking about. I understand that. A lot of them do, though. But then they go home, and you never hear from them. I remember one time was at a church. I'm in, I forget where was that now, but it, which church it was. Anyway, we had Bible school, and this young girl came forward and wanted to be baptized, wanted to join the church. And I went by her house, and her mother says, well... I don't believe in influencing her. She can make her home mind. But yet she never got baptized. She never came to church. Be careful, parents, when you start hindering children coming to Jesus. Be careful. By the way, if we don't influence them, if you don't influence them, parents, if the church doesn't influence I guarantee somebody that will. You can mark it down. Sometimes we see them come in Bible school, even in church services. How tragic to keep our own, your own children from coming to Christ, coming to Jesus. Perhaps a child looks up to you as a spiritual mentor, a Sunday school teacher, a class teacher, whatever it may be. And that child sees you doing something that's not pure or hears you uttering some profanity perhaps someplace outside by that act you're hindering the child from coming to jesus be careful what's that little verse they used to say little ears be careful what you hear in other words we need to be careful around some adults sometimes of what they hear what they see how they see us act i'm sure we've all been in churches we've had business meetings that get a little out of hand it's not a fun time. And by the way, it's not God-honoring either. That should never happen in a church of God. It just shouldn't happen. If you get that mad, you need to get up and leave. Well, I didn't get my say-so out. Well, maybe God didn't want your say-so out. But it does happen occasionally. Thank God I've been here about three years now, and I've never seen it happen here. And I don't think it's going to, but it always could. Sometimes you all may get mad at me, and somebody just really get upset. Be careful what we say with children's ears listening. What we say at home, parents, be careful. I'm used to, you know, going home and feeling like somebody's cooking me on the oven after we leave church. We're going to have fried preacher today <laughs> after what he said. Be careful. Those little children may be listening to words you say. Let's move along. The same is true spiritually speaking. There are certain teachable moments for children to learn about Jesus. And if they aren't taught at that time, chances are they will never have the same spiritual growth potential. Studies have shown that of everyone who is a Christian, as an adult, 85% of them trusted Christ before the age of 18. Of the people who reached the age of 25 without accepting Christ, the odds go are only 1 in 10,000 they'll ever become a Christian. Of those who reach the age of 35, only 1 in 50,000 will ever be saved. That's why it's important to teach our children and our teenagers as early as we can. Because once they reach that age of 18, for most studies show that it's almost impossible to reach them. I know it still happens, and we've seen some happen. 
but it, it's harder. Someone once said that children are, let, are like wet concrete. Whenever we write on their hearts at this age, it'll be there forever. That's true whether we influence them for good or for bad. I came across an interesting poem when I was trying to find something for this today. Listen to it. I don't know who wrote it. It doesn't, didn't say, but it says, Whatever you write on the heart of a child, no water can wash it away. The sands may be shifted when billows are wild, and the efforts of time may decay. Some stories may perish, some songs be forgot, but the engraved record, time changes not. In the heart of a child, a story of gladness or care that heaven has blessed or that hell has defiled will linger unchangeably there. Who writes it as it, who writes it has sealed it forever away and must answer to God on that great judgment day? All of us are writing something on the hearts of our children. No matter what age they are. We must be careful that we don't hinder children from coming to Jesus. Instead, we need to help them to come to Christ. And lastly, real quick, the principle. You must come to God as a child. Verse 8 that we read says, Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the, receive the king... Let me start that over. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter in. Anytime you see that phrase, assuredly, in the Bible, in the New King James Version, in the, uh, it's sometimes I tell you the truth, it means the same thing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, anytime you see those words, put up a spiritual antenna because Jesus is about to say something that's very important. And listen to what he says. Assuredly, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter in. Then he continued, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God will not enter into it. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Do you see what he's saying? Be careful. How you teach your kids, what you teach your kids, what your kids see. Not just words out of your mouth, but what do they see you doing? Do they see you flying off the handle at home and throwing things at dad perhaps or whatever it may be, or like mom for that matter? Do they see you act like that? Be careful. This is Jesus speaking. I didn't say these words. Assuredly, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter into it. There's a big difference between childish and being childlike. The Bible warns us many times about the dangers of spiritual immaturity. But there are some wonderful qualities of children that are necessary for us to enter the kingdom of God according to that verse we just read. If you don't reflect these qualities, you'll never see the kingdom Jesus just said. Compare this verse to what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3 and 4. 18, verse 3 and 4. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. 
what is it about children? What are those qualities? Well, I just thought of three or four, but and this is just my thoughts. You probably got some better ones. First of all, a child has a sense of awe and wonder. I remember my boys when they were both little boys growing up. I mean, they just thought I was the neatest guy on the face of the earth. I mean, I was the best dad that ever existed. But boy, did they learn that, learn fast. That wasn't the case. But yet when they were young, they were just, oh, just, I remember walking the door from work and they'd just run and hug my neck and jump in my arms and what a great feeling that was. But oh, how the years, I've probably disappointed them many times. They began to see it. So there's that awe, that wonder. The older we get, it seems to, we seems to live in a world devoid of wonder anymore. It becomes old and dull and gray and tired. But it's not the world that has changed. It's we've lost that childhood innocence that's changed. The second thing I thought of was a simple trust. When you were a child, you never worried about where your next meal would come from or what clothes you're supposed to wear the next day. A child's trust is in his parents. It's simple. It's absolute. You should trust that way with our Heavenly Father. Just think about it. We trusted our parents as we was growing up to take care of us, to tell us what we need to do. And yet now we've got a heavenly father, and we just treat him like some other guy many times. He's our heavenly father. And lastly, I think children also have a spirit of forgiveness that we don't have anymore. A child's not always treated fairly. Sometimes parents require things that aren't possible. Our siblings may antagonize them and uh, notice the little children and, you know, quit to forgive. Little children don't carry grudges, if you noticed. They may fuss with their playmates. They may even get into a fight out on the playground with their friends. But 30 minutes later, they're best of buddies again because they've got that innocence about them, that spirit of forgiveness. Don't you wish we had that as adults sometimes? Look again at these three traits, a sense of wonder, a simple trust, and a spirit of forgiveness. Know them well because Jesus said they are the passport to the kingdom of God. Let me finish by telling you a true story that happened many years ago. It was a cold, rainy morning in New Jersey. A 10-year-old boy wanted to attend church even though his parents never attended he walked in the cold rain to a little church in the community. The weather was so bad and the church was so small that the 10-year-old boy and the preacher the only two that showed up. The little boy didn't know what to do because it was just him there in the crowd. He was the crowd. But when the time came to start the service, the preacher got up there and began to preach just like he would if the place was filled. Years later, after the boy became a man, he wrote about this experience on that Sunday morning. He writes, and I'm quoting, I wondered what that minister would do. But when the hour set for worship arrived, the pastor walked into the pulpit and began the service as if the church was filled to capacity. He looked down at me and smiled with a great sincerity and spoke earnestly to me and to God. When the time came for the offering, the minister held out the offering plate and I walked up the front aisle and placed my nickel in the plate. 
The pastor smiled at me and placed his big gentle hand on my head. I'm walk, I'm, in walking back to my seat, I knew this man's God was a real God and that his faith was God-like in a monumental simplicity. It left a, throat, a lump in my throat, and I cannot think of it today without having emotions. The little boy came back to church and started reading his Bible. That little boy's name was Cecil B. DeMille, who would go on to produce some of the greatest and the finest Christian movies in history, including The Ten Commandments, The King of Kings, and The Sign of the Cross. Who can calculate the influence of that man because one preacher cared enough to welcome that little boy that Sunday morning? You see, we never know who will be influencing next week. You may be the one touching some little kid's life. We may have heard the next great gospel singer that sung up here just a few minutes ago, old Michael. He may be the next Bill Gaither for all we know as he grows up. And you had a hand in it because you encouraged him and did that. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Jesus loves the little children. Do we? Let's stand together this morning. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. As we come to close this service, we just thank you for the opportunity of being here. We thank you for our visitors. We thank you for each one that's here. And, Lord, we thank you for the ones that couldn't be here for different reasons. And, Lord, just impress upon them this morning that we miss them. And we long for them to come back and be with us. But, Lord, today as we stand here before you, Lord, let us be a church that loves children, that cares about children, that works with children just every way we can do it. Lord, give us the abilities to reach children and teenagers, Lord, that we can spread the gospel through them, that we can see lives changed, not so we can build this church, but so we can build your kingdom. It's not about this church. It's about the kingdom of God. Lord, go with us. Bring us people to work with the children, to teach them, to help them, to work, and to love them more than anything else. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.